1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.
2: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090 Mariska's and Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, Chuck's Southern Covers Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien and seatgiant.com use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save.
0: Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 The Score's hockey guy Jay Zawoski.
1: Here right, I Chicago
0: Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast Reunion Special. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as usual, not as always, I can't say that after not being on last week's show, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski. Jay, I know you probably really enjoyed uh, kind of hosting the show by yourself. Are you happy to have me back?
2: Of course. I feel like I'm talking into the void <laughs> when I host by myself. It's weird. I have no one to bounce thoughts off of. I have no one to challenge me if I say something stupid. It just kind of, it was it was weird. I It was, I don't know, I didn't hate it, but it was kind of, I don't know, it just felt weird.
0: I, I had thought about doing it by myself when you were in Washington for the uh, play, the baseball playoffs, and I kind of had the same vibe, that it would have been like talking to a wall that won't like tell me whether or not I'm being stupid, which is, we all know, is a fairly frequent occurrence, so I kind of need the be reined in a little bit. So it's good to be back. It's good to have my precious laptop here in front of me. I've just been kind of looking at it very happily that it's all working and everything's good again. And I'm stoked to get talking about the Blackhawks. How about you? Let's do it. All right, man. We will start with Saturday's game, a victory over the lowly Arizona Coyotes. (laughs) It's so sad to see Nicholas Jalmerson kind of you know, wallowing in the misery of the desert, the only winless team in the NHL. And the Blackhawks uh, got off to a real slow start in the game, but they ultimately were able to prevail largely because of one of their most underrated players so far this season. Mr. Tommy Wingles has had a big impact on this team. And you saw it again on Saturday, drew a penalty shot, got an assist, got the last goal of the game. Tommy Wingles I have to kind of eat some crow here I was like ah it's just you know overkill getting guys like Wingles and Boma and they're basically Brandon Machinter light and it's turned out that he's actually been a really solid fourth liner and a pretty but pretty good penalty killer and he's been keeping Tanner Caro out of the lineup so clearly he's been doing something right and I was extremely impressed with the way he played on Saturday and I've really been impressed overall with the quality of his play since the regular season started I mean because he wasn't like the biggest preseason performer and regular season came in and he just kind of flipped the switch and he's been pretty solid I've been impressed with him so far
2: well I think there's there's value to having veteran players that have played hockey games before <laughs> I know it that sounds ridiculous but and you said him and Boma were overkill they were you don't need both but if you go get tommy wingles that's good that's a guy who's like i said a veteran player who's been on good teams who knows what it's like to play in the playoffs i love the fact that they're letting young guys play this year forsling and ruda and all these guys are in the lineup every night to bring it obviously um, but now and again you have to have a veteran here or there if you want to compete if you want to be a good team if you want to be a playoff team and tanner carrow yes he qualifies as a kid. But I think we're all sort of kidding ourselves if we think that he's going to be much more than a Ben Smith, um, just completely replacement-level quality player. I like Tanner Carroll. I like what he brings. I just don't see much more much more of a ceiling than what we've seen from him already. So if Tommy mm-hmm. Wiggles makes the team better, which apparently he does, it looks like it. If you're watching the games, it sure looks like it. Then by all means, play him. I don't have a problem with that. I just want to see young guys with upside—that's the key word, young guys with upside— get the playing time they need to develop that upside and be ready for the playoffs unlike last year where the veterans struggled and when they wanted to go to the kids they knew they were too green to play now is the time to play kids get them ready for the playoffs and there you go i just don't think that tanner Caro is going to be a guy who if he plays 70 games or whatever is going to be a much different player once the playoffs start
0: I would completely agree with that, and I think that, uh, especially with the forwards this year, you kind of have that flexibility with having some of the veteran guys around that you're going to be able to kind of force the young guys to earn their playing time, and I think for the most part, we've seen that play out so far. I don't think Joel Quenville has particularly been his usual stingy self with opportunities. It feels like he's really giving some of these young guys a chance to really make their mark into play. And I think that a really good example of that so far has been Alex DeBrenkitt, who has gotten plenty of opportunities in a variety of different uh, situations and roles. And I've kind of liked the way he's been deployed so far. And he hits a significant milestone when the Blackhawks play Vegas tomorrow night because he hits that threshold where he burns a year of his ELC once he plays that game. And I feel like that's a significant achievement for him to make it to this point because I think it means that the team is really buying into him. It's really liking what they've seen from him kind of the same way that I have where I've been impressed with the way his decision making has improved even in only like a nine game sample size. I mean, I was half expecting the Blackhawks to kind of pull the Tevo Taravainen thing with him and to ask too much of him and to try to fit him into a mold that he won't fit into. And I think the exact opposite has happened with him. I really feel like they've given him every opportunity to succeed in situations that he'll be able to succeed in. And more importantly, they've allowed him to make some of the mistakes that young players are going to make in terms of decision-making and passes and shooting and all that stuff. They've allowed him to make those decisions, and they haven't punished him yet. And I think you already are seeing a development in his game. And I'm really liking what I've seen from him, and I applaud the coaching staff for being patient with him while also having that culture of accountability that's allowed them to continue playing Lance Boma and Tommy Wingles over Tanner Caro. I think that Joe Quendell has done a tremendous job in balancing those kinds of two philosophies that he has in his head
2: i agree with the overall sentiment i'm just not ready to celebrate uh alex to hitting that milestone until it's actually hit because there's still part of me that thinks that email is coming that alex to has been sent to rockford rockford blah 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 well I, he, I technically he'd probably I be it. sent
0: back to juniors i think right wouldn't yeah. it be yes he, exactly sorry yeah he'd get sent back to erie instead and i just i don't see it man i think he's here for the long term i think they're saying look like we've liked what we have seen the first nine games and we're comfortable burning this elc now what'll piss me off sorry to the listeners who were offended by that word but what will irritate me is if it's 15 games in and they go no nah, i don't really like what we're seeing from them go to rockford then i'm gonna be like why did you burn the elc you fools what's wrong with you but in the interim I'm going to applaud the decision because it seems like they've made the right one.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. So far, so good. And I and like you said, he's shown a mature. I mentioned this, and I think I think it was with you, maybe not, but he's shown a maturity that I didn't expect to see from him on all ends of the ice. And in the preseason, uh, he said that's what he was working on. He was working on that in training camp. The scoring's going to be there. It's going to be there. He's had his chances. He had. Uh, The other night was that what game was that where his shot hit Ryan Hartman in the arm and went in. That's basically his goal. Right. So when you look at these um, opportunities and you look at the numbers on paper, they may not wow you overwhelmingly, but there's been several times he's hit the post very cleanly, Mm -hmm. several goals that have gone off other players. So the is performing as expected. I still would like him to play on a different line. I don't love him with uh, with Patrick Sharp. I just don't. I just I don't know. I know Hartman's doing great on that second line, but I really want to see Debrink hit up there. Yes, it will be a disaster defensively. We've discussed that. I'm not going to get into it again. But <laughs> if you have the puck, no one's gonna, you know, no one can score on you if you have the puck. Right. So I, I just think that he's better suited there. But as long as he's in the lineup, I'm happy. I'm not going to nitpick too much. But if you know the season goes on and the numbers are sort of dwindling there, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a shot on that second line.
0: I would definitely agree with that. I still think that having him on the third line affords you a degree of balance, I think, that you've had to start this season. And I made the comment, I was on a radio show the other day, I was on Hockey Prime Time with Connor McKenna, and we brought up the fact that the Blackhawks seem to be a more balanced attacking team this year. And I think part of it has to do with the fact that Alex DeBrynkit is still on that third line. And part of it has to do with the fact that Ryan Hartman has seemingly left that Andrew Shaw boneheaded nonsense behind him. And that's something we're going to talk about later, by the way, is one Andrew Shaw when we get into a little bit more general NHL talk. But it seems like Hartman has he's recaptured the spirit of what he had the first 60 or so games of last season, right? Sure. Where he yeah, definitely was he was a little bit of an instigator, had a little bit of edge to his game. But his primary focus was on having the puck and scoring the puck. And that's what he needs to do. And he figured it out. And I think part of it is the fact that he's playing with Nick Schmaltz and Patrick Kane who are giving him the opportunities. But I think there might be a little bit of a, hey, the coaching staff really hammered into me this offseason that I can't be taking dumb penalties and taking myself off the ice, especially with how bad the Blackhawks' penalty kill was last year they're surprisingly they're playing a lot better this year on the penalty kill and I know that part of it is like the competition that you play they haven't quite gotten their sea legs underneath them but part of it also is just better execution I think on that end of the ice so it's kind of interesting to see Ryan Hartman kind of pull those lessons in from last year and to kind of mature a little bit and it's definitely helped the Blackhawks to kind of keep things balanced offensively
2: last year Hartman was such a mystery to me you know in the preseason the first couple games he looked horrific just terrible that he couldn't play then the season begins and he's much better very effective like you said filling that Andrew Shaw void of playing physically and scoring not calling people uh, derogatory names again we'll get to that later Um, but then all of a sudden he's almost like the anti-Nick Schmaltz where the second half of the season comes and he turns into a dumbass. <laughs> it's just, it was very strange. I didn't really – I don't know what happened there. I don't know why he resorted to that. Maybe he was feeling like, okay, the playoffs are coming and I need to bring more of a physical element to my game. I don't like that. Do what's working. And what, what he was doing for the first probably three quarters of the season last year was working. He's brought it back this year. I think plus he's even better now than he was then. I think he looks a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. Um, which is, you know, it's going to happen in the development of a young player. But you're right. I'm very encouraged about Hartman. And when I say that I'd want to see Dabrinkit get a look up on that line, it's not a knock on Ryan Hartman at all. I think Hartman's been terrific. I just think that, you know, you're putting him back there on a slowish kind of a line um, with Anisimov and Sharp. And I I just think that he's, I don't know, not putting the brakes on, but he's kind of playing slower than he would like to. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a good thing for a young player, though. I don't know. Like I said before, Joel Quinville knows a lot more about hockey than I'll ever know. Right. I just um, I think the balance is good. You mentioned that. And that is something that they for sure stress. They definitely emphasize that. That's why Quinville has said for years and years, we don't number our lines. Okay, we do. But it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, But that balance has always been important to him. And I do think with the Brinkett on that third line, you are getting more offensive balance for sure. Um, so I see the point. I see why they're doing it. I'm not mad about it. I just, before long, would just like to see what that looks like. Maybe it's just like mm-hmm. the old time meatball fan in me. You've, played, wants... you've been
0: playing too much NHL three on three, is what's happened.
2: <laughs> Probably, yeah, maybe a little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm encouraged. I don't. There's really nothing that I'm, you know, through however many what are we nine games in here. Yep. I don't have a lot to complain about. Nothing is totally shocking to me. Yes, Brent Seabrook looks old and slow. That's not news. We all knew that was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little worse than we thought, but mm. again, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody.
0: Here, see, I, I feel like we're at an excellent fork in the road here. Do we, Because you brought up two really good points that I feel like we definitely can uh, continue to talk about. One is the balance issue, because that dovetails nicely into a discussion of The top line of Jonathan Taves, Richard Panic, and Brandon Sod, or do we want to go on the other fork, which is the regression of certain players like a Brent Seabrook that has me absolutely terrified and questioning whether or not this team is going to be able to sustain the success that they've had so far this season. Well,
2: let's do both, but first let's take a timeout. It's time for our first timeout. Before we do, I'll tell you about our friends. At triple threat sports you know by now after what this is our third season that triple threat sports is the best place to go in town if you need your nhl jerseys lettered but did you also know if you've got a team a softball team a basketball team a hockey team of your own and you want to get jerseys designed for them and equipment designed and off ice apparel designed for your team triple threat sports will help you out and it will look awesome they will help you customize a logo the cut the fit the design anything you need they'll help you it could be a beer and pizza league team with t-shirts it could be a traveling hockey team with you know an unlimited budget whatever you need triple threat sports will get it to you so call chris at 708-478-6090 that's 708-478-6090 or email him at chris at triple triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it Time for a first time out, but we'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Welcome back into Make Your Own Adventure. I mean the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, where we are currently at a fork in our proverbial road. Do we want to continue to talk about the positive elements of the Blackhawks, the balanced scoring, the young players playing well, or do we want to go in a negative direction and talk about some regression? You know what, Jay? It's, glo- it's a bit gloomy outside today. I think we're going to go in the negative direction for right now. And, th- and that, well, I don't like it, but it needs to be discussed. You know, we can't be all, you know, rainbows and kittens here. We have to occasionally, you know, cast a critical eye upon the Blackhawks. And my eye immediately, these first nine games, has gone to Artem and Isimov. Now, he's gotten a lot of praise the last few years. For his ability to play with Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin.
2: End your what? sentence right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you stop your point right there. No. But, he's gotten a lot of credit for being able to play with them, as you or I could also do. We could play with them as well. Yes.
0: However, things <laughs> yes. have taken a turn for the worse. As he looks a little bit slower and not quite the centerman that he used to be before injuries derailed his 2016-17 season, Jay Zawoski. How worried are you about Artem Anisimov?
2: I don't know if I'm worried. I think he's a fine third-line center. I'd be a lot more worried if Nick Schmaltz had come out and looked like crap, but he hasn't, and uh, I'm glad that Schmaltz has sort of supplanted him at that number two spot. Look, if, if he's your number two, it's bad. If he's your number three, I think it's really good mm-hmm. because we do all know, all sarcasm and joking aside, that Anisimov has better hockey in him than what he's shown this season. There's no doubt about it. And like you said, recovering from injuries, it might take him a little bit of time to get back to the form that we're used to seeing him in. Obviously the production is going to slip being separated from Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin, duh, obvious. And we knew that was going to happen. Right. Um, I, I just think that, yes, he's off to a not great start. I think, you know, playing two years in a row with two of the most dynamic players in the game it's going to change the way you think, change the way you play on the ice, and I think he needs to go back to what he was doing in Columbus and New York uh, and just sort of being that effective two-way center. I think he can get back there. I'm not I'm not worried about it long-term. Uh, I just would like to see it get better, and I expect it will.
0: There are two reasons why I think concern is valid with Artemi. Okay. Off. Concern number one, his cap hit. Four and a half million dollars he counts against the cap, I believe, for the next four seasons that's not great for a third line center that's a little pricey they need him to produce more they need him to be a little bit more of an offensive driver of possession than he has been they need him to be a step quicker than he's been and i'm willing to give you the benefit here that he's probably still kind of getting back up to nhl speed but he's gonna need to sooner or later he's going to need to get to that speed because the blackhawks need him to they need to have a, a solid third line center that's capable of getting Patrick Sharp and Alex Debrink get the puck on a more regular basis and I feel like Anisimov's been a touch off a step slow like something's been different about him this season and he needs to get it together because you can't have a four and a half million dollar third line center that can't do those things and the second reason I'm slightly concerned about it is because of the continuous health issues that Nick Schmaltz has been dealing with this season. We've already seen him go down on multiple occasions, and I know they've been fluky things. It's not like it's been, like, a nagging ankle or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's been kind of fluky stuff. The problem is, he goes down, and then Artiman Isimov has to bump up, and he hasn't had the game that's allowed him to do that at all seamlessly, And it really hurts what we've been talking about. The Blackhawks kind of balance in their scoring and their speed. They have to have that ability to get that from the second line. And that means I need Artem Anisimov to play better than he has. And I still think he can. I'm not writing him off by any stretch. But that's one of the things I've been wanting to keep an eye on. Because if Anisimov can't step in and fill that role in a bad situation that's not a good place for the Blackhawks to be at all.
2: You're right about that, 100%. And if this team loses Nick Schmaltz for any sort of extended period of time, I'm not totally convinced they're a playoff team. If you're looking at Taves, Schmaltz, Anisimov, Wingles, slash Caro, that's good. If you're looking at Taves, Anisimov, Caro, Wingles, that's bad. <laughs> their, their center depth is very fragile, and it all hinges on Uh, number 19 and number eight if either of those guys goes down they're in deep crap man yeah I mean I do think Anisimov still has enough in him where if he's moved up with Kane again you'll see the production rise it's going to happen to anybody really just sort of by being on like through osmosis you're on the ice with Patrick Kane your numbers are going to go up it's just going to happen but you're right he needs to be better I'm a little it's look it's nine games right I'm not gonna get overly worked up about the sample size we've seen I think in his tenure in Chicago, he has been worth what he's paid. Um, mm-hmm. Can he, of course, the whole time he's been here, though, he's been with Patrick Kane. So it's hard to really judge. I, I'm not overly, if you're, if I'm listing my concerns, I don't know if he's top five right now. He's one of them, mm. but he's not among my top five. I think there's a, a lot of other things and a lot of other players to worry about. And that brings us to the other negative thing. <laughs> and you know me we i got i got blasted by some dude on twitter saying that i'm not hard enough on brent seabrook okay i like i don't know what i'm supposed to do or say aside from he's no longer good at hockey which is the truth all i've said was i'm not gonna be a guy who's screaming and yelling you know you suck seabrook because the dude has done so much here my my problem is with stan bowman And that deal, what he was thinking when he signed that deal, I'll never know. And you and I, I think we did a podcast either the day of or the day after that contract was signed, and neither of us could figure out what the hell they were thinking.
0: Yeah, we both were thinking that it was way too much term, especially. We thought the money was right if it was shorter term, but we could not, for the life of us, figure out why he was making nearly $7 million a season for eight years. We were like... no way yeah that's you cannot pay him
2: that it can't be both you can't give a guy term and money pick mm-hmm. one if you want to reward him for his fine work with the blackhawks and the three stanley cups which he deserves he probably played for a little cheaper than he could have too mm-hmm. and in all honesty you say hey look we're gonna give you a three-year deal we're gonna pay you seven million dollars a year and you can call it a career instead the hawks give him 6.875 through 2023 24 one two three four five seven years left on that deal if you include this year what tells you look in your crystal hockey balls james and tell me what brent seabrook's going to look like in seven years on the ice <laughs> uh i think d- it's gonna be a do great, have to uh, tv analyst <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're going to have to invent some sort of skin rash or, uh, you know, something for Brent Seabrook because there's no way in hell he is finishing off this contract.
0: I read a really good article in The Athletic today about Brent Seabrook. The title of it is Brent Seabrook's contract could be troubling for the Blackhawks in the future. Oh, you think? Give me understatement of the year for 600, Alex. In the piece, I thought there was a really good quote, and it says... The Blackhawks brain trust has exhibited a true wizardry over the musical chairs of managing an NHL roster. That spell seems to have been broken, and it starts with Brent Seabrook's 8-year contract extension. He is 32 years old and on the backside of his peak performance. Yeah, pretty much you nailed it. Like that you're literally you're doing the thing that you don't do as a GM, and that is pay for past performance. You don't do it. You pay for what you think you're to get out of the player. And there's no way in hell that Brent Seabrook, even when he put his name on that dotted line, was a $7 million a year defenseman. He just wasn't. He's really, really good. And it's really hard to replace a top line defenseman. I know that. You know that. But I also know that you don't sign a 32-year-old to that deal and expect them to continue playing at that level and from what we've seen, the first nine games of this season, Brent Seabrook not only is not at that level, he's at such a bad level that I am openly calling for him to be a healthy scratch at some point because he's Whoa. actively hurt. He is hurting them right now.
2: That would shock me.
0: He is hurt. No, it would shock me too. But the point is, if you're going to pull Michael Kempney from the lineup or Jordan Esterly or Cody Franzen or anybody... If you're going to pull them out of the lineup as healthy scratches, why isn't Brent Seabrook on that list? The, the, the game against Arizona the other night, comically horrible yeah, team. Was, they are bottom two in every conceivable category. And Brent Seabrook could not defend them to save his life. He even put a puck on Corey Crawford, <laughs> like a literal like shot. It was supposed to go behind the net. It wasn't even close. It's like, if you can't make that pass under zero duress what the hell are you doing on the ice man with like he just he looks completely lost he looks like he's lost six steps and he needs to be benched at some point it just has to happen
2: well there's no sign or hope of it getting better either it's not like you're saying well you know he's coming off an injury or blah 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 no No. this is what it's going to be and it's only going to get worse as his contract goes on And, yeah, I've said it. I I love Brent Seabrook. He's one of my favorite Blackhawks of all time. It doesn't doesn't change the fact that today, on October 23rd, 2017, Brent Seabrook is a sucky hockey player. It's a fact. I liked what Chris Chelios did, too. I liked what Bobby Holt did for the Blackhawks, too, on the ice. I liked what Sam Akita did. It doesn't mean I want them skating for the team right now. You know, it's (laughs) just, I I mean, what I have to know, I I cannot fathom what Stan Bowman was thinking when he signed him to an eight-year contract extension. What could the thought process... There's got to be something. He's not just a dumbass. He didn't just forget, (laughs) right, like how the cap works. Or he didn't forget how Brent Seabrook looks on the ice. It's not like when that deal was signed, he was coming off a good season. No. He was already... The decline was obvious when he signed that deal he
0: was a third pairing defenseman in 2013
2: yeah
0: nobody nobody points this out but remember he got demoted in 2013 the height of the blackhawks superpowers he got demoted and he signed an eight-year deal three years later is
2: there some sort of cap thing we're not aware of is there some sort of i don't know i I, there's got to be something and I, I'm not the biggest cap expert in the world, and I know you are. You're better than me, but I know you're not either. I wonder if there's some sort of thing like coming up in the CBA that I don't know. There's got to be something because there is no effing reason that that deal should ever have been signed.
0: I'll give you I'll give you a heads up. I don't think you're getting another compliance buyout in the next CBA. So if if Stan Bowman thinks that he's getting one, I think he's sorely mistaken. I don't think there's any chance that that happens because I feel like the NHL isn't going to drastically cut the salary cap again and then allow teams that bailout. I don't see it happening. And if Stan Bowman's banking on that, then he's a dope. Because I think that's a really stupid thing to hope for. Like, oh, I hope in three years that I get bailed out for this horrendous mistake that I've made. If that's the way you're drawing out your plans as a GM, you should probably be fired.
2: Well, and there, but there's never been any evidence of him working this way in the past, right? It's not like he's. There's been some deals that, like, okay, maybe that's a million too much. Or maybe it's. Marcus a year. Kruger, for example. Exactly. Maybe it's a year too long. Fine. But it's not something that's going to cripple you on and off the ice for the you know for the next almost decade there's there's there has to be something and i don't yeah. know if you know i'm not in the locker room um i'm gonna get there soon but i also don't know if like because i'm there so rarely do i have the authority to be like uh stan what the hell are you thinking when you sign this deal i want someone <laughs> to ask that question someone yeah. to say okay look uh we we've noticed however you look at it on paper you want to look at it advanced stats you want to use the eye test whatever you want to do whatever scouting method you want to use everyone could see that Brent Seabrook was regressing and then he signs an eight-year deal can you tell us the mindset behind that deal
0: and not only that he signed it a year early too
2: and you can't tell me Stan Bowman's gonna sit there and tell you with a straight face that we believe Brent Seabrook still has eight years of quality hockey left mm -hmm. no way there's no way he would he would say that with a straight face he might say it and people might let him just move on from it but that can't go without being challenged it can't what why what do you see or what did you see at the time of the deal that made you think that it was going to get better or at least you know stop the decline at that spot because if he wasn't at least as good as he was when he signed that deal it was not even close to worth it it still probably wasn't but if if you but at that point of regression instead of the current point of regression, it makes a little more sense. Brent Seaberg right now is a number four, number five. Yep. I mean he's he can't move. James. <laughs> is that a, is that a bad thing? Is that <laughs> like, is, is that something you'd like your defense to do? Be mobile in some way. He, he's.
0: You know what? He's making me long for the days of Michael Roosevelt.
2: Oh, stop that.
0: Stop. Hey, at least he was bad and cheap. Not
2: bad and expensive. It's true. I'll take bad and cheap over bad and expensive any day.
0: I'm being super hyperbolic, by the way. There's obviously no way in hell I would actually take Brent Seabrook over Michael Roosevelt. Just there's no way.
2: I think we know that. I hope we know that. Well let's use this commercial break to sort it out, but before we break, want to tell you about our good friends at Marishka's and Crest Hill, six oh four Theodore Street awesome awesome place you have to go I said this last week James and I think it was a good way to put it everyone that lives within like a 50 mile radius of Marishka's, right and that's probably a big portion of our listening audience it's -hmm. a place you need to take the trek to there's places in Chicago downtown where no matter where you live you want to go see the Sears Tower once or you want to see Wrigley Field once or you want to go to Pequod's Pizza or Giordano's or something once right Mariska's is the place you should go in the Burbs if you have to take that one journey. in a am- trip to Mecca Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing place with great food and awesome history. A great family running it. They've been running it for three generations. Go check out Mariska's. 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Known for their world-famous poor boy sandwiches. But literally everything there is good. Go check them out. Go get yourself the giant uh, twice-baked potatoes. Well, those were good. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want yes. those again. I want to live in that time. 815-723-9371 is the number for Marishka's 604 Theater Street. Check them out. Mariska's.com or Facebook.com slash Mariska's. Go there, my friends. All right, when we come back, we'll get to some happier Blackhawks conversation. And that also means we're in one segment closer to our email segment. By the way, want to welcome a new sponsor very quickly, SeatGiant.com you're looking for Hawks, Bears, Cubs, tickets, whatever, go to SeatGiant.com. check checkout, apply the promo code MADHOUSE, and you will save on your purchase. We'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been breaking down what's good and what's not about the Blackhawks, but if you'll indulge me, that Marishka's read that Jay does always makes me hungry, and it also made me think about a couple of fast food items that I've tried the last few days. Just wanted to give my thumbs up to the crispy chicken quesadilla at Taco Bell. Excellent. And I want to give kind of a side thumb to the uh, ghost pepper cheeseburger at uh, White Castle. It's uh, got a lot of kick to it. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not when it comes to eating sliders. So in my audition tape for the uh, Fat Guy podcast, I say, yay, Taco Bell and eh, to White Castle. Jay, you got any uh, thoughts, any feedback on that?
2: I remember food.
0: D- what? Jay, what do you mean you remember food? Talk talk to me, man. What's up? Get Let's get you on the couch and let's uh, have a therapy session here. What's wrong, man?
2: Well, I've been on a diet for about 18 hours now. <laughs> oh, so that's why you've been
0: so cranky today. It all makes sense.
2: Well, it's part of it. There's been some other stuff. But my... See, when you're a fat guy, the world is your oyster. Like, what am I going to have for lunch? Any damn thing I want where's that anywhere I want to drive <laughs> now I'm on this diet right my buddy challenged me on Facebook and not like I challenged you he said I want to lose weight you want to do it with me I said cool so me and my buddy Kyle and my brother and my buddy Derek are gonna lose weight together and it started today and man I because it was raining I could usually like walk downtown find something neat before I get on the train my train's at two thirty, so of course it's pouring rain so I didn't do that I went to like the little cafe they have in my office. Nothing looked good. Then like in the Pedway, it's Burger King or Subway or um, um, Taco Fresco. It's like nothing healthy there. So I'm like, what am I going to do? Then I go home and I just had soup. I'm just so hungry right now. All I've had to eat today is yogurt and apple and soup. And uh, I'm proud of myself. (laughs) for for doing as well as i've done through 18 hours of my diet but man it's hard i know it's gonna get easier but i gotta have a plan like see that was a problem is i just started it kind of willy-nilly i need a plan of like bring this to work snack on this like the apple was great but i ate it too early and i didn't have anything with it like i should have brought some peanut butter or some cheese or something to have with it tomorrow i'm gonna be more prepared and i'll be able to go walk and get some lunch because if i'm downtown i go to chipotle get like a bowl, a healthy bowl, but you know, no cheese, no rice, just make it healthy. I can mm-hmm. do that. I can survive that way. But today, oh my God, dude. And then I went to Aldi to get chicken for dinner and I'm like, all I want is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And the only thing they had of grape jelly was like a 55 gallon tub. <laughs> and I don't want all that grape jelly in my fridge and hope like strawberry jelly. And I hate strawberry jelly. So I was pissed off about that. Then I came home and there's some water in my basement. I pissed off about that. You could have
0: drank it. It would have been healthy.
2: Not this water, my friend. This <laughs> came, like, through my walls, and no, you don't want this. <laughs> so it's just aggravating. I'm just angry is basically what's happening yeah. right now. So I feel like I've, I've turned my mood around since we started, I hope. But if, fee- if I seem a little down in the dumps, just know uh, it's me wasting away to nothing.
0: Jay. My friend, you know, you know, I'm here for you, right, man? You know that I'm always going to support you no matter what you do, right? Yes.
2: And here comes some totally dickish and insensitive statement. Go ahead.
0: A apple cinnamon jelly is awesome. I had it for the first time yesterday. Big time game changer for me. You should try that.
2: Where'd you find that?
0: Uh, I was at a diner having breakfast and I put it on my toast and it was life changing.
2: Well, can you just like buy that in a store? I wonder. I
0: haven't seen it in a store, but if I do, you know, I'm buying it.
2: Well, buy me one too.
0: I will. And B, I have been toying with the idea for several weeks now of giving up soda. been drinking way too much of it. I've been subsisting a lot on Pepsi, and that's been basically one of the only things I've been drinking at work. In honor of your weight loss challenge and in honor of you trying to better yourself, I am declaring on the podcast that I am giving up soda in, uh, a, what's the word I'm looking for here? Three
2: years. no shut up
0: i am i'm giving that up so that i can support you and like you know help you along this journey and to kind of commiserate with you as we go through this difficult thing together i'm going to give up soda it's going to suck but if you can do it i can do it and i'll be with you every step of the way my friend
2: thanks buddy i appreciate that that'll be helpful uh that's one thing i probably i can't give up (laughs)
0: <laughs> because oh, I, can't, I give up i can't give up beer so i'll, I'll give up soda no, instead. that's fair
2: i've been drinking a lot of the lacroix or the knockoffs thereof um, <laughs> and that's making me happy it's really by the way get yourself a lacroix and one of those like uh, yeti or knockoff yeti tumblers and some titos you're all set oh, yeah that's the stuff you don't even all t- right. i mean Tito's is great and if they'd like to sponsor the podcast hit, hit us up at madhousepod at gmail.com but um, Tito's is great on its own, but when you mix it in with the LaCroix and the ice, it's perfect, and you can barely taste the vodka, and you get lit up quickly. Nice. Yeah. Little I'll keep pro that tip. In mind. Zero calories for that, too, by the way. Good. Nice. Uh-huh. Just sparkling water. That's all it is.
0: Speaking of healthy living, we have Blackhawk stuff to discuss. Enough food.
2: Yes. Stop talking about this before I cry.
0: Jonathan Tabes. That's a healthy living individual. He's changed up his diet and his exercise and is really his old approach to hockey this season. And it seems to be paying off for him. I've liked what I've seen from Jonathan Taves. Jay, how about you?
2: I think we're seeing Jonathan Taves be Jonathan Taves. And as we predicted, you give him a competent line mate. And look, lo and behold, you put your first line center with first line talent and he puts up first line numbers. What a shock. Are you You
0: insinuating Marian Hossa wasn't competent talent?
2: he wasn't he didn't play the whole season with uh taves last year Fair spent enough. a lot of time on the third line and he was 37 years old and i love marion hosa but his best scoring days were behind him i think that brandon sod being a scoring power forward in his prime uh teamed up with richard panic who is also way on the upswing in his career entering his prime uh that's a legit top line and you're seeing the payoff you're seeing the results i don't think jonathan taves looks much different when you watch him shift to shift, does he look very different to you the way he's playing? Does he look faster? Does he look stronger? Maybe a little bit. But I never had any doubt that Jonathan Taze would return to the level he's playing at now. He's on pace for what, 80 some points? I think he's doing great. I'm, I'm very, very pleased with what Jonathan Taze has done this year. And to me, it's not a surprise. I knew Brandon Sod coming back would be great for him. He had his best years with Sod by his side. And uh, that will continue. So I, you know, uh, I mentioned earlier my concerns. Taves was never a big concern of mine. I wanted him to do better, more just to shut people up than to prove me wrong or to convince me he's still good. I knew he's still good. I knew he's still great. So uh, patting myself on the back for being right. Because I, <laughs> I,
0: I, think, I think most of us kind of anticipated that Brandon sod would give Taves a nice kick in the keister. And I feel like we've all been kind of validated so far this season. He doesn't have like the greatest numbers in the history of hockey, but there's there's a difference that you can tell on the ice with Jonathan Taves. You can tell he's playing with more freedom. He's playing with a new intensity, new speed. I think the Blackhawks getting knocked out early the last two years, I think has really kind of put a burr under Jonathan Taves' proverbial saddle. I really do. I feel like he has gotten a kick in the butt from those defeats. I feel like he's more motivated than he's been in a long time. And there's just a hunger in his game right now. And it's been really remarkable to watch it. And I give Brandon Sod a lot of the credit. I give Richard Panic a lot of the credit. And I give Stan Bowman credit for getting Sod back because he had that in his mind that he could get Brandon Sod back for the next four years and kick Jonathan Tabes' butt into gear is... He starts to hit that point in his career where the the slow decline in production, it's no longer a far-flung thing. It's going to happen at some point in the not-too-distant future, and you want to maximize Jonathan Taves' window right now, and that's exactly what the Blackhawks are doing. And It was a really smart move, I think, to bring Brandon Saad back, and it has already paid dividends for Jonathan Taves, and kudos to Stan for doing that
2: yeah uh, so far so good again uh, the forwards to me have been not much i don't have any real complaints about them yeah you no. want a little more from anisimov you want to see the score a little more consistently i think both those things are coming um sod has been great i predict he'd score 35 plus goals he's got six so far um mm-hmm. i think up front they're really really strong it's just that blue line you got to find a way brent seabrook's not going to sit maybe a game or two but he's not going to become your number 7 Michael Rolstonfall defenseman. Oh no, no, no. No. no, no, no. no.
0: And, and I'd also like to clarify that that's not what I was calling for. I was no, calling I for th- him to to sit as like maybe the second half of back-to-backs or something like that. I would not I'm not stupid enough to believe that Seabrook is not one of the top 6 defensemen on this team. I think he still is. I also think he would benefit from occasional rest.
2: Definitely. Yeah. So, they're going to have to find a way to make, to exist with him at the level he is. Uh I think the best bit of news for the Hawks has been how excellent Jan Ruta has been. Yes. I mean, he's your number 2 defenseman right now and if he had not, you know, if he was just another Michael Kempney, like how Kempney was last year, okay, there's some flashes of good, some bad here and there the Hawks would be in big trouble he has been a revelation he's been a guy they can depend on every night every shift he's on the ice and that has sort of saved them because Connor Murphy was a guy I think they expected to fill that role and obviously he's not done that yet uh with several healthy healthy scratches here through nine games um Ruda is the key to the D right now because without him they would be Mm effed I mean you'd be seeing four or five goals a night and of course you got to give credit to Corey Crawford and Anton Forsberg who've both been playing out of their minds as well
0: I would completely agree with that both of those I think Ruda and Crawford have both been if I'm picking stars of the first 10 games for the Blackhawks they're right in that conversation I've been very impressed with both of them I don't I don't really think you can say enough about how frequently Corey Crawford just puts up dominant performances and really helps out a team that has a lot of difficulty in suppressing shots they allow like 35 36 shots a night and Corey Crawford makes it look routine he makes it look easy and having that kind of backstop on this team has been invaluable and it's been a blessing for the Blackhawks and it's really kind of helped minimize the damage done by the fact that their blue line really isn't that much improved from last season and I think it's giving them an opportunity to, you know, get a little bit further into the season and add another blue liner to try to help out. And I think Corey Crawford and Anton Forsberg being as good as they have are that that's, you cannot put a value on how important that's been. Do we, do we want to talk about Andrew Shaw now, or do we want to wait until the emails?
2: Oh, uh, let's do it now.
0: Yeah. I was kind of thinking we needed to get to a couple of quick hits before we got to that point. So let's go ahead and do that. Instead of starting with Shaw, because I have a feeling I know where that conversation is going to go. Anti-Niemi, waved today by the Penguins. Any inkling the Blackhawks could try to make that move?
2: No, why?
0: Exactly. Why do you want a bad goalie? Yes, thank you. (laughs) I, I see him going to a team like Arizona, who's relying on Louis Domingue to be their backup. That's the situation Niemi is going to find himself in. He's a reclamation project and nothing more at this point. And I would rather have Michael Layton, Jean Francois Berube, Anton Forsberg, or Marty Turco at this point over him. He
2: was horrific in that Hawks opening game against the Penguins. Yes, he was. Like, Are you there? Or are you like a hollow? You remember when like Tupac showed up at Coachella? It's like a, <laughs> I was wondering if Anthony Niemi was a Tupac hologram of himself in the net in that game. He was awful.
0: He was a shell of his former self. It was really sad. Well, I
2: wonder, was he ever really that good? I wonder. Right. And remember, I mean, you want to talk. We've just been tearing Sam Oman apart for the Brent Seabrook contract. You have to praise him for making the right decision between Niemi and Nicholas Jalmerson.
0: Yeah, because that I mean, was looking, the choice looking back it was pretty duh but at the time i feel like yeah there was uh definitely some controversy over letting him go and stan bowman absolutely made the right choice 100 percent.
2: by the way when is the uh all the all the uh scott darling lovers when are they going to start to fall in love with uh, anton forsberg
0: they haven't already.
2: Uh, I'm just curious, you know, because I, I,
0: I think it's gonna it's gonna be a little while because he's not from Chicago.
2: Oh, and be, and also maybe because um the Corey Crawford is still playing insanely awesome hockey.
0: That has never stopped anybody before. Why would you try to assign logic to this?
2: Yeah, you're right. My bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to <laughs> I wanted to bring up one other thing before we get to Andrew Shaw. I wanted to bring up. Uh, the, the Cubs, we've not talked about them yet. You all right with how the season ended? I mean, are, how are you feeling today, bud?
2: I mean, no. I, I, I cared more than I thought I would. And uh, I will say, like, Major League Baseball playoffs are not fun. It's just constant tension and misery and horror. And <laughs> every yep. pitch is like, clench your butt cheeks together and pray. It's just well it was an unpleasant experience and last year was the same way i thought this year would be better because they won and it was sort of like okay whatever else happens is gravy they've won one now i just have the greed and i thought the same thing about the hawks too when they won after 2010 i'm like i can die now great well now i find myself it's almost like an addiction yeah like i I wanna they gotta win again i need them to win again and i think the cubs will win another world series before it's all said and done but they, they've got a lot to do they've got a lot of things to fix the good news is they've got a crap load of money and they've yes, got the and
0: pe- no salary cap to constrain them
2: and the best uh front office in baseball maybe in baseball mm. history so yep. i'm not very worried i just would you know I, I part of me was sort of relieved that it ended in five mm. because i'd never felt they were going to really win that series but to drag it out to six or seven games would have just been torturous
0: yeah it would have been cruel. Um, I'm not, I'm actually, I wasn't as bummed out about it as I thought I would be. I feel like that probably has something to do with last year and just kind of knowing that this team still has bites at the apple left, so to speak. I feel like they definitely still have a shot for many years to come to be competitive. The one thing that I worry about after that is I hope they don't overreact to losing in five games to the Dodgers. I hope that they realize that baseball is a game of limited sample size all day every day when it comes to the playoffs and I hope that they draw conclusions not just on what happened against LA but on what happened throughout the entire season and if there's any front office in baseball that I feel confident will do that it is this one I I think that they're making the right choices with their coaching staff gets get a little bit of turnover there we're going to see some new faces on the team. You're probably going to see somebody like Javier Baez or Kyle Schwarber at least get dangled in trade talks this off season. But the notion of making massive sweeping changes, as I've seen some fans suggest, is something that I just – I hope it doesn't come to pass, and I hope the organization is more patient than that, and I have a feeling that they will be.
2: I think people are mad. I had the uh, pleasure of hosting – the post-game show after Game 5, after Mark Grody wrapped up his official post-game, I took over for a couple hours after the game ended, and I was actually pleasantly surprised by how calm and level-headed people were. I think there's the initial reaction, the anger, and the disappointment of not winning, but then mm-hmm. when you really think about it, like, you know, th- th- Rizzo and Brian are going to hit again. Yep. You know, Wilson Contreras is going to hit. Kyle Schwarber is going to be better. Um, I-, I just I can't get overly worked up about it. You think about how much baseball these guys have played and it's sort of understandable when they say you know the hot team wins the world series well the the uh cubs got cold at the wrong time and frankly i don't think they deserve to win the nlds either they just kind of lucked into it when you think about it with all those past balls and you know there were a lot of weird occurrences for the nationals um i don't know i'm not too worried about it i think they'll be back they're great they've got the best core in baseball i think if you said to any you know, GM and and as far right now, would you trade places with the Cubs, uh, short of the Dodgers and Astros? I think they would all say yes.
0: I would. I would completely agree with that. All right, we can't put it off any longer, man. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jay, it's finally time. It's finally time Ugh. to talk about. You can play Ambassador Andrew Shaw.
2: <sighs> I'm just giving you the uh, the stroke mechanic which is the eye roll and the fist clenched in the up and down motion. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: right? I, I do. It's the wanking motion. When
2: you said you can play ambassador, someone who publicly sh- or just shouts the word out in yeah. general, the F word for homosexual. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't care. Like, oh, well, here's how I'm going to redeem myself. I'm going to be an ambassador. Sure you are. Sure you are it's come on it was so obviously clear when he said that he was that that it was just a reclamation yep. project uh you don't shout that accidentally mm-hmm. i'm sorry like here's an example you listener who may be thinking about teaming up and taking andrew shaw's side andrew shaw's side on this Would you ever just like randomly shout the n-word mm-hmm. whoops oh that was i was just upset no that word is yep. in you and it comes out when you're mad and it comes out when your guard is down the n-word doesn't to me i don't shout those things when i'm mad i don't say to my buddy at work if he makes me mad you fnf no i don't it's not like in my repertoire of names i might call you a dick (laughs) douche nozzle is my old standby there's so many so many great names to call people when you're mad douche canoe is another one i've heard that i like i don't know what it means but i like it um, you've got several options. To me, I- I'm not surprised by this at all. So I can't be mad about Andrew Shaw. It's just he's a homophobe. Yeah. You know, I'm not even. I'm not story. even mad at
0: him. Like it's so easy to anticipate this. I'm I'm mad at organizations like You Can Play that like have this like notion that they're trying to clean the game up and yada yada. You know what? If you're picking ambassadors like Andrew Shaw, you're doing a really shitty job. Sorry, like.
2: Well, I think what I think what they're trying, and I, I see what you're saying. I think that what they're trying to do is to say, look, if you've had these sort of thoughts before, you've said these things before, and you've taken some step back and said, you know what, I wish I hadn't done that, right? I wish I hadn't done those. We've all we've all made mistakes. Every single one of us has said that word in our life sure. at some point, right? Uh, there's a song I talk about Jason Isbell all the time. One of my favorite singer-songwriters, one of the most accomplished musicians going today. He's got a song called White Man's World. And it's a lot about, like, the regret of standing by while thing maybe you weren't doing it directly. Maybe you weren't calling someone the N-word or you're making racist jokes yeah. or whatever. But if you're there and you're a witness to it, you're just as guilty, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of the same idea. And I think for Andrew Shaw to say what – if he was sincere and said, God, you know, I've used that word the wrong way. Or I shouldn't – I mean, I've used that word and I shouldn't use it anymore. And I'd like to change and I'd like to show other people that they can change too. And then he really became involved and, and did things to better himself. Fine. I think people can change for sure. And I have no problem with trying to change. But man, he belted that out the first time and there was no hesitation the second time. And the second time, he never even flinched. Right? Like if 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 you're if it's in your mind that I don't want to say this anymore and I'm gonna try to be better, and I know I've said it out of habit for a long time you shout it out again you're like oh god ooh, i just said it right he had no problem saying it there was no remorse no reaction he just said it like any other word and there it was again so andrew show i don't buy your crap yeah. anymore sorry and,
0: and i just to kind of put a bow on this um i've seen a lot of really great critiques of you can play and about the nhl's uh, efforts at diversity and inclusion and i would encourage anybody who thinks that the Andrew Shaw incident is kind of like an isolated thing, I would encourage you to seek out those kinds of things. And I'll post a few of them on my Twitter account. There have been some very thought-provoking pieces about what really needs to be done in the NHL and in hockey in general to make it a more inclusive sport. And I feel like this is a great opportunity if that's an issue that you're interested in. It's a great opportunity to... Listen to some different voices, listen to more marginalized groups, listen to more women, listen to more members of the LGBT community. It's a great opportunity to learn. Even if you're not the one yelling the word in a penalty box, this is a great time to listen to those different voices and honestly to learn and to apply those things to your everyday life. I think this is a, this is a good teaching moment, even if Andrew Shaw is a jack wagon.
2: There's never a bad time to start listening. Agreed. And to start trying to understand where other people come from and I'm as liberal, liberal, <laughs> I'm as liberal and left wing as they come. Yeah, yes. And snowflake. I'm still learning lessons every day. There's still thoughts I have that are like, you know, that was probably not the most um progressive thing to think or to say. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a constant evolution of yourself. Mm. And that's what it should be, right? No one's perfect. But if you strive to be better and you strive to learn and you strive to empathize with people, then in, in the end, you're going to be better off and everyone's going to be better off for people being around like that. So, um, I don't know. I don't think we're saying anything controversial and we're not no. being, uh, you know, SJWs. I want to get that bad review again. But <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I was not surprised when Shaw did it. I at the time, I appreciated that he at least put forth the, you know, I, I was just going to give him an, a chance to redeem himself. But. When it happens twice in the same exact situation, then I don't, you know, I don't, I, I can't, uh, I can't feel for you anymore. So
0: empathy, empathy goes a hell of a long way, and I feel like the world
2: would be better off if there was more of it. I agree. All right, you ready to do some emails? Let's get off the serious junk.
0: Yeah, let's get back to you know hockey and stuff.
2: Yeah. All right. When we come back, we will answer your emails on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Email the
0: guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at
2: madhousepod. Welcome back to the podcast. I don't know why I did Oprah going to break there. We'll answer your emails. Emails. Anyway, we are going to do that. And when we do, it's brought to you by Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Go to chuckscafe.com for their menu, for their specials, for everything. Chuck's is amazing. It's great. Everything at Chuck's is wonderful. Uh, My favorite is the Cochinita Pibil. That's the Saturday special. Make sure. The first time you go to Chuck's, go on a Saturday. Get the Cochinita. It's outstanding. They've got great barbecue, great Cajun, great Mexican food, burgers, fries, mac and cheese, whatever you want, whatever you have a taste for. They've got it for you at Chuck's. So go to Chuck'sCafe.com. Check out their menu. Check out their locations. They're great. Again, locations in Burbank and Darien. Chuck's Cafe. James to the emails, my friend. I got one here from Chris. He says, keep up the good work. Kind of wish there were locations for Chucks and Mariska's out here in Nebraska. Yeah, that sucks for you. (laughs) I have a couple of questions. Who is the most irreplaceable player on this year's team? It has to be Keith, right? Ooh. It it has to be Keith. (sighs) If he goes down, they are screwed. Patrick Kane i think they've got the scoring to make up for him i i don't know i don't know if they do it'll drop off for sure but you've got guys like 14 and some other guys in the system that in Estroza then come up they're not going to put up k numbers i know that but you've got more offensive depth in the system than ufd if duncan keith goes down what's your pairings
0: I, just, I still feel like that defense is a tire fire regardless. Yeah, and
2: then you remove a Norris Trophy candidate. Well, although I guess
0: you can make the argument that it's more smoldering right now than a raging inferno. So I'll, I'll go ahead and concede defeat on this point.
2: Damn right. Second question. Why doesn't anyone mention Jocelyn Tebow anymore? There's what, do, lo- what do
0: you mean? No, We mention him all the time.
2: We've <laughs> never mentioned him. Ever. There's, there's all this love for the Hawks of the 80s and early 90s. But there are some pretty good teams after that. I'd say he's the third best Hawks goalie in the last 30 years.
0: Whoa.
2: Hmm. Whoa. You had me and you lost me. Oh, man. What was 30 Whoa. years ago? 1997.
0: 30 Actually, would be 1987.
2: 87. I'm go- IR math are hard. So um, Eddie Belfour. Belfour is, is one.
0: Dominic Hasek.
2: He says Hasek doesn't count because he was never a full-time starter here. What's,
0: okay, fine.
2: I kind of agree with that, by the Fine, way. Fine.
0: I can go with that. Okay. Eddie Belfort. Yeah. Corey Crawford.
2: Yes. That's I, I, right, dude. Nikolai Hobby Bullen. <laughs> Hobby Tebow Bullen was, at
0: his peak is better than people give him credit for.
2: Tebow was an all star here on oh, horrible, horrible teams.
0: Mm. Fine. Let Nikolai Hobby Bullen and Jocelyn Tebow deathmatch. Whoever wins gets to be third.
2: All right. So here's the question. It's game seven, and you've got Jocelyn Tebow in his Hawks prime or Nikolai Hobby Bowen in his Hawks prime. Who's your goalie?
0: I just jumped out the window.
2: I'm going with Tebow.
0: I'm going with Hobby Bullen.
2: All right. We'll set it up for our Twitter poll uh, on Madhouse Pod on Twitter. We'll set that poll up after the podcast, see what people I'm going to
0: go ahead and say that you're going to win the poll, but it's only because everybody is going to remember Hobby Boulin's second coming when he was crap. And they're not going to remember the first coming where he was actually pretty good.
2: Well, here's what we'll do. We'll, select a, a, we'll put, select a year where people can go back and look at that year and look at the actual numbers good, and decide from there. All we right. should also post a link to the roster they played on. Oh, yeah, that's gonna make that's, a difference too. That's a
0: solid. Yeah, that's solid. Alright, I can I can get behind that.
2: Alright. Got an email here from Bryant. Not Chris Bryant. He oh. says I'm a Chicago transplant to California for work. I love your podcast. I have two dogs and I walk them 60 minutes every day, and you are part of the podcast rotation I listen to. We just apologize finished. for taking
0: too long today.
2: He <laughs> said, uh, I just finished today's podcast and my question is for Jay. After that Chuck's read. Can you define the difference between pie and cobbler? Good work? <laughs> I can. A cobbler is deeper. Like it's more of a, it's in a, served in a, not a bowl, but like a, I don't know how you would describe it. Like a deeper dish than a pie. A pie is kind of shallow and you cut a slice of it and you can serve it. A cobbler is something you have to eat out of the bowl. It's more liquid. So think of like a, co- like a, I, don't, I really don't know how better to describe it. It's not something you can cut and serve. You can't cut and serve a cobbler. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a crust on the bottom. That's probably the answer. I think I'm that's just, the technical answer.
0: I'm just laughing because we were literally just talking about diets like 20 minutes
2: ago. Yeah, I'm, I have one foot in the car on my way to Chucks, just so everybody knows. But yeah, that, <laughs> so I think that would be the technical difference is there's no bottom crust on the cobbler. So you have the pie, like the flaky crust on top, and then underneath it's just the fruit and the syrup and the all that stuff so chucks makes a great cobbler several mixed berry peach apple whatever and it's piping hot delicious fresh made like right there and they put a big gob of vanilla ice cream on it and it's fantastic it's amazing Mm. there's your difference i hope i helped uh matthew says i'm a hawks fan living in dc a lot of out of town listeners this week yeah. with RFK Stadium ending its run the local news the no, local news radio station is running a great moments in RFK stadium history. So I'm curious Stanley Cup and NBA celebrations aside what do you consider the best moments in both the Chicago Stadium and United Center history mm. I'm gonna go with for the stadium the all-star game the yes. uh, 1994 all-star game. 91 or you mean the 91? Game. 91 All-Star game, yes, of course. Mm. Um that was sort of what put the anthem in the stadium on the map. Um and it was just a great I was actually there too. If I'm not mistaken though, didn't the Bears play a championship game in Chicago Stadium? They did. And did they win? Yes. Then that has to be it, right? You would think. Okay. So how about United Center? Okay, wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. You're going to just dismiss the fact that the Bulls won three championships at Chicago Stadium? Well, if you
2: were listening, he said Stanley Cup and NBA celebrations aside. Uh,
0: Okay. Oh, see? Oh, you're using a loophole. I got you. Yeah. So the greatest moments,
2: aside from championships, Yeah. well, I guess that would exclude the Bears then, right?
0: They weren't a Stanley Cup or NBA final.
2: How about United Center history, Hmm. aside from the championships? Hmm. I bet there's some, like, incredible concert that happened there. Probably. Or a WrestleMania or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Someone fill this in. What is the greatest moment in United Center history aside from the championships? Uh, I'm not uh, a huge U2 fan. I'm not. Neither am I. But when they came after 9-11, they had that tour that was, like, very focused on, um, like, the survivors and the victims. And it was very 9-11-y. Mm -hmm. at a time when people kind of needed that Mm -hmm. that was quite a thing that was quite a spectacle Mm
0: -hmm.
2: i would assume that's among them
0: yeah i i think for me like if we're like casting aside the 2015 stanley cup and the bulls championships for the uc i'm gonna go ahead and say that i still think my favorite blackhawks moment in that arena was marion hosa's goal against the predators in 2010 like that literally like camera shaking insanity.
2: And that game sucked ass otherwise.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh my god. It was like it was just like it was like a lightning bolt when Patrick Kane scored that goal. Everyone was sure they were going to lose that game. Then Kane scores with thirteen seconds left. Then Marion Hossa comes out of the penalty box and immediately scores the game winner. Like just lightning hit twice that day, and I would say that's probably the most insane atmosphere I've ever seen at the United center.
2: I'm with you there. That's, that's a great Hawks. I was trying to avoid like hockey and basketball moments, but that's pretty solid. I, I think uh, that it,
0: I think it's fair though. They're the primary tenants sure. of the building and it, we, we didn't say championship. I didn't say, you know, Keith scoring the goal against Tampa Bay like that. Nope. I went with earlier in the playoffs and I think
2: I have answered the question accurately. All right. How about this? The HOSA game against HOSA goal against Nashville or the Brent Seabrook goal to eliminate the Red Wings.
0: Oh man, those were
2: both such cool moments. Especially after having a Jalmerson goal disallowed.
0: Holy crap.
2: Oh. See that to me that moment to me is the one I will like tell my grandkids about. That's when you knew that the Hawks reign was beginning. Right? Mm-hmm. Like not just that they get like 2010 was great but would they ever do it again after they slayed the dragon of the red wings that was insane i still that was
0: i, I still got to go with the first time man and it's partly yeah. because of like the insanity of the host a goal and the comeback in that game and it's also partly how bitter i am that the blackhawks and red wings don't play more than twice a season now
2: how about it i actually kind of yeah. like them now what kind of yeah i know this? right like what
0: what's up with all this respect the red wings <laughs> nonsense i feel like we've gone soft in our old age we
2: have we definitely have uh email here from carl hey carl, carl good to see you he says with the brinket going from averaging over a point a game to having only four points in nine games when do you start to think his lack of production could start to affect him mentally i can't imagine it's easy for a player to have such success at the previous level to not achieve that at the next level without some self-doubt creeping in. Hmm. Um, That's probably a little bit valid, but I think when you're playing on a team as good as the Hawks, um, there's not a ton of pressure on you because they're not, um, you know, they're not really expecting you to carry the load. I think that that helps him a little bit. So they're giving him time to develop. They're telling him, look, like, you don't have to go out there and be our savior. We're a really good team. Develop as you can. I think that's taking some of the pressure off of him. I think... Once we get past this 10-game mark, where he could be sent – I mean, he can be sent down anytime. But I think tomorrow, once the game is played tomorrow and he's in it, I think that will loosen him up a lot as well.
0: I would completely agree with that.
2: Uh, email here from Jason Holter, Salsa Shark, our guy. Yep. Um, bringing up the 10-game thing we discussed earlier. Just wanted to mention because he took the time to email. Uh, email here from Nate. He says, Nate in the Quad Cities. Uh, Seeing how well Ruda is transitioning to the NHL as a site for sore eyes, especially when you see some of the lapses from other blue liners. My question is, do you think he will or has played well enough to get a shot next to Duncan Keith as a number two defenseman? Uh, That's a good question. However, I think he has, but you kind of have to protect Seabrook with Keith, don't you? Mm Mm-hmm. I was Uh, just about to say that. Because who else are you going to protect Seabrook with? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a lot of sarcastic answers could emerge for that question.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think for the time being, I think it's going to look how it looks. And I do think maybe in the playoffs when Q is less loyal and the best players play theoretically, uh, you will see you know Seabrook's time cut a little bit and you'll see Ruda moved up a lot and playing with Keith. Maybe you see, they'll call it like a double shift for Keith, when in reality it's rooted up there. Uh, A half shift
0: for uh, Brent Seabrook instead.
2: Exactly. All right, last email of the show comes from Ken. He says, of the teams in unexpected places in the standings, who is most likely to stick there? The Devils, Rangers, Habs, Avs, Vegas, Kings, someone else?
0: Uh, The Kings. I'm going to go ahead and say the Kings are the most likely team to stick where they are. I feel like they've got the goaltending and the experience and all that good stuff. I feel like they've got the pieces in place, even with Jeff Carter out. I feel like they've got pretty good handle on things. I think the regression train is coming for Vegas. I know that they've been like everyone's kind of Cinderella story to start the season, but they've already lost three goaltenders to injury this season. Their luck's going to run out at some point. And to
2: come on down. <laughs> no,
0: don't even say these kinds of things. Ugh. I, I think that the regression train is coming for Vegas. I think that LA sticks about where they, they obviously aren't going to go undefeated or anything, but they're, they're going to be a solid team this year. I think, I think the devils might have a shot to make some noise, man. That team seems completely different. Watching them play in kind of limited sample size, like, Last season, I was just like, God, this is just a dumpster fire. They're awful. This season, they've been fun. So I'm saying L.A. will stick. I'm hoping El- the Devils will stick. And I think the regression train is coming for Vegas. You know who I'm fairly
2: certain sucks? Edmonton? The Rangers. Oh,
0: yeah, they're bad.
2: I kind of enjoy it.
0: Yeah, you know what? It doesn't bother <laughs> me that much.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really like the Rangers very much. By the way, Rick Nash is a free agent coming up. Don't how much money do you think he's gonna make? No, no, no. Stop. Mm. I'm not suggesting. I was literally no. pointing no. at my no, no, microphone no, no, no. like I was <laughs> pointing at you. I no, was no. like, no. <laughs> I promise I'm not suggesting such a thing. I'm just saying, what kind of money is he gonna get on his next deal? Too much. I don't I don't think so. Who's fooled by Rick Nash anymore?
0: There is always a GM that will be fooled by a player.
2: Well, let's see. What does he make now? Let's do some real time uh, radio shit. Let's see. Rick Nash, <laughs> Cap Friendly. Do 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 do. Rick Nash. He makes seven point eight. That's Brent Seabrook when I was at. Um, <sighs> boy. He had thirty eight points last year. God. You're talking about bad contracts? How many, how
0: many points did Brent Seabrook have last year?
2: That's a good question. Let's check it out. Mm, 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 mm.
0: <laughs>
2: Maybe they can move Seabrook to forward.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about.
2: Power forward. Give him that Michael uh, Rosenball treatment. Last year, Seabrook had 36 points.
0: <laughs> ah seabrook hits a friggin wall has two fewer points than rick flippin nash he did he's it in a lot more games but still for, I'm, <laughs> he's also under contract for like five or six more years so yeah. if rick
2: nash gets more than three million dollars i'd be surprised
0: i i hope you're right i i sincerely do
2: all right anything else to add my friend or are we gonna wrap this this puppy up
0: are we gonna pick a winner
2: Oh, yeah. I think we know the answer. The United Center Uh, history guy.
0: Oh, I was going to go with goaltenders. Huh? Mm -hmm. I was going to go with our Jocelyn Tebow, Nikolai, Hobby, Bullen argument.
2: Tell you what, we're going to give away two cards today. How's that? Done.
0: I like that idea. Those were both excellent questions.
2: They'll both win a card. They both win breakfast at Chuck's. Even though one of them
0: lives in Nebraska.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, he won't win then. He'll win a card. Not (laughs) Give him a card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find a good one here. Hang on, I'm gonna dig in. I'm see I can see these. I don't wanna see them. <laughs> <you>. Oh god. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never even heard of this guy. Uh this was the goalie guy. Where is this one? I can't find his name. This is really professional stuff we're doing right now. <laughs> I'll find it. Hang on. Hang on, everybody. Doo Where Where is it?
0: Where's what?
2: I gotta find the email.
0: It's from Chris.
2: Chris wrote the. Oh yeah, here we go. Chris Staggs. he's a guy in Nebraska. You win a Mark Osborne card. <laughs> you may remember Mark Osborne's season with the 1991 Maple Leafs, where he had six points in 18 games. <laughs> Congratulations to you. Uh, who had the United Center one?
0: Uh, crap! I had it written down and I threw. Matthew. Pit. There we go. Matthew. Sorry.
2: Now I saw this card, and he's going to win it because it makes sense. This is a 1992 Mark Recchi card, and he's wearing the All-Star jersey from the game at the Chicago Stadium, and there's the logo of the 91 All-Star game on the card. Hmm. So because of his question, he wins that card. How about that?
0: Very appropriate.
2: We have Mark Recchi, and we have Mark Osborne. We really made our mark today. ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha. All right, I'll be back solo again next week uh, (laughs) on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. (laughs) Come on. Jeez, with the dad jokes. Uh, What are we doing this week, schedule-wise, by the way? I I want to talk to you about this off the air. Why don't we do a Sunday morning podcast? Does that work for
0: you? I think that'll work, yeah.
2: Because they play Friday. They play Saturday. So we'll do a Sunday morning, and then they don't play again until Wednesday. Sounds good to me. All right, we'll talk to you guys Sunday afternoon after I edit everything together. Thank you for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast For my partner, James Neveau. I'm Jay Zawoski. Thank you to our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. and in Hill family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. And if you're in the market for tickets, visit seatgiant.com. Apply the coupon code MADHOUSE to check out and you will save money, and that's always a good thing. Thanks again for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
1: Bodega, bodega, bodega. Alpha and Omega. <clears throat> Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing about a serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, Did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, you could say "big" when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That one. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Lay, lay, lay! Detector test. Indecent bundle out. your in home and auto system. with warmed Progressive in. today. The Marmot mangled by Mushu pork pancake. Progressive Marmot Casualty Marmot Insurance Man. Company and affiliates.